0: coming.
1: Pass is picked off. He's going to go looking again, and it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore, down on the right sideline.
2: Into the end zone, and he's picked off. Back the other way.
0: You, have you guys got any info from me i don't want your opinions i want cold hard information about who's winning that job is there have we got any info from uh Baker, reports Baker are
3: leaking that donald has been shopped and no one wants him are they trying to boot
0: him <laughs> already
3: I that's, think, what the, the, that's what the rumor There's supposed to say? be like a
0: major like camp battle going on, and they're just trying to get rid of one of them already. Mm. And they have one preseason game. It's not oh, great okay, no. for that
1: whole Sam Darnold was held back by the Jets, and he's actually a competent player argument that I was trying to have last yeah, year. It I mean, I, really... I did try to tell you, but then my Baker
0: hey, Mayfield hey, is actually hey. really good. Argument doesn't look great right now, so I think they cancel each other out. Maybe mm. we'll just kind of move on with our if, lives. Let's if just If the Steelers
3: on. want to pick up Darnold for not very much money and get rid of Mason Rudolph, I'm here for it.
1: Okay. So you would take a Darnold over a Mason Rudolph, a Mason Rudolph yeah, that at least happily... knows, knows the system.
3: Yeah, because it means Kenny Pickett's one closest step up anyway, which I think he will be after this next preseason game in the first place. Oh, but baby also, hands. Hey, two gloves, two gloves McGee, that's what I'm talking about. Mm. I don't think you
0: want a former kind of first rounder in your QB room, to be honest. Um, I already got one, don't we? So, I heard him.
3: I
1: also think Darnold probably is so mentally beaten up that he hasn't got a leg to stand on when it comes to like fighting for battles as well. I think he really uh, probably... Oh, yeah, that's that's unfair. He's got two legs. They just don't work very well. <laughs> no, it's the arm that doesn't work very well. I'm sure the he, legs actually, work he
3: did okay. run in a 60-yard touchdown. So clearly his legs work fine.
1: I don't know. I feel
0: like he lucked into that. I feel like the defense. <laughs> the defense was like, "I'll give him one. Come on, you know, like when they yeah, get those, like yeah? a make okay, a wish okay, kid." Yeah, so, they so, get so the maybe little... he
3: got the one, but then at least he, he completed the play, not like Daniel Jones tripping up at the fifteen.
1: That's still one of my favorite moments in recent memories of playing the Giants. That's so good. What Daniel Jones breaking an eighty-yard run and then tripping over himself at the fifteen-yard oh, yeah. <laughs> line
3: in an
2: open, <laughs> yeah. open field?
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Mm. Everyone else has
1: given up on the play as well. Basically, cost him the game. Yeah. I imagine that Darnold run is like every single player is doing the Marlon favorite preseason dive to like get him. <laughs> like, oh,
3: oh. I saw that no. comeback round again.
1: There oh, poor Marlon, so
0: he's he's a trooper putting it on social media every year, though. He gets
1: ahead of it. Uh, he's very smart before somebody else puts it up in the kind of a name-and-shamed kind of way. He gets ahead of it, and he's like, look how silly I was back in the day. At least uh, I showed the heart. I can't
3: heart. believe he got Pretending not to die inside.
1: Oh. I mean, I can if they were worried about depth perception with his tackling. That would be... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a fair point. They, they call him in like, well, you might need glasses, Marlon, at this point, bro. But yeah. Um... So Donald's done Baker's going to have the starting job as expected. I still stand by like eight games until Baker's replaced by somebody in Carolina there it's there really got anyone else well, there. he might get
0: beaten up as well mm. uh, not like an amazing team around him so he might just get beaten to piss and then that's maybe the end of his career I don't know
1: was it Curtis Samuel this week who's also that's gone down with like a big groin injury? Already and he's like, Oh, I'm gonna be oh, back I've for not. pre I'm gonna be back for week one and he's not, not seen that. Like... I saw
3: the Browns lost both their centers, starting centre and second string center. Well no one wants to injuries.
1: block for Watson when he comes back anyway, so everyone's just trying to get their injuries in now to make sure they don't have to play come week eleven or week twelve, sorry.
3: Should we should we save that for when we have our esteemed guest we do have no idea who it is? On I'd be interested in this
1: I'd be interested to hear what they have to say about so it. let's leave
3: Watson on the back burner and then we'll yeah. come back to that. That's we'll fine. Play. I mean, yeah. Because that's the biggest story
1: of the week, really, isn't it? Yeah, Manti Te'o documentary is my favourite thing this week.
0: Oh, Ollie, it, just, uh, it was it was tough. Like reading your messages as you're watching it in real time, having already watched it, because I was so angry the first time round, and then it brought it all back, and I was like, oh, I hate that person so it's, much.
1: It's so
3: good, as
2: because
3: you I, hate Manti Te'o or the person in No, the person. Oh, that duped yeah, him. the
0: person who duped him. He's fine. He's just like a really. A bit of a simple guy, I think. And he just got.
1: I don't even think he's that simple. Like somebody in the documentary I do. put it. I do
3: think he's simple, yeah.
1: But somebody put it in the documentary perfectly of like, here's a kid who had like no time. He's all like faith, football and family. So oh, you should have
3: changed that with a very different F-word He
1: didn't have It does a, sound like you're
0: you're running for Congress in the Republican <laughs> Party when you say things like that to me Ali. So, but any continue. but it didn't
1: he didn't have much time or anything like that. So actually having this kind of like relationship through messaging was perfect for him because it didn't eat into any of his time but he could still feel like there was somebody there looking out for him and he felt it was genuine. So I can almost understand how he got sucked into thinking that this was actually a relationship and everything like that. So I felt just really sorry for him more than anything else. I'm not even sure if he was dumb. I think he was just so focused and had so much other stuff going on around him that this was just an easier thing to, to become like a bigger and bigger crux for him to lean on. And then this person's just a psychopath. Like... Hiding your real identity behind like Facebook pictures and then she pretending pretended
0: to die, to
1: die, and pretending to be on life support yeah. on the phone. You and, brought like, me back. Absolutely insane,
2: absolutely
1: oh, wow. insane. And it seems, I mean, Taylor at the end of that documentary is kind of saying, you know, I forgave the person that did it to me. Uh, I haven't forgiven myself yet, and that was like what he kind of alluded to was the big trouble when he was in San Diego after he got drafted is that he had all this anxiety. Oh, and, and
3: my, my brother's ex-girlfriend. What? Sorry. I think my internet broke up a little bit there.
1: I don't, yeah. What did you say?
3: I was trying to stop you at the point where you were saying about the whole thing. I was saying, has... he, did he find my brother's ex-girlfriend before my brother found her? Because that sounds like her playbook. I mean, it was. It, it was
1: very similar to what happened to your younger brother. With like yeah. this girl feigning her death and then pregnancy, but, rape, you name it. I mean,
0: but he did had, it. He had met her, and like, which in some ways is
3: probably worse because it's actually a real person, and he knows the real person who's pretending to be dead. Now, nah, but to call her dad in order to find out. Oh no, she's still alive. Five but days but later. this
1: this person, Jazz, pretended to be dead and then. Pretended to have other family members that then got in contact with Mante Teo. Like it was a, she built a whole, a whole life for this fake character that she created oh, yeah, yeah, on yeah. on Facebook and, and had all these like weird relatives and all this kind of stuff. And then brought her, was it her niece to meet Mante Teo after a game after yeah. she'd pretended that she was dead yeah. and all this kind of stuff. It was just insane. And he was just a nice kid. Who, who every single move in that documentary, and I don't know how much maybe he like had to do with the production side of it or anything, but every single move he made, and that's just my cynicism coming out, was like really just nice and genuine. I just want to help people. I want to support people that need a hand. And I felt like I was doing something good all of this time of like supporting somebody and they were supporting me back. And I was there for their family when this person su- uh, supposedly died and all this kind of stuff. And then it just turns out to be a hoax. And it just destroys him mentally to the point that, the best linebacker in college football, couldn't play anymore. There we go. Right at the perfect time to join us.
4: <laughs> oh! <laughs> what have you been saying? <laughs>
1: uh, we're, we're just on the uh, Mante Teo route, by the way. So, uh, yeah. Hey. I know you've How watched crazy it. crazy that? So I want to hear what you got to say. Insane, isn't it?
4: I mean, and at first I thought, so like, Came back, I was like, I'm going to have a week off. I'm not going to do anything, whatever. Started watching all these like catfish shows. And I was like, it knows, it knows that I am all on the catfish <laughs> right now. And that popped up. And I was yeah. like, what is this craziness? Like this poor human. But it just shows how awful the media is too and how they can destroy somebody.
1: I mean, that was the other thing that we we're going to come on to, I think, was the person that did the catfishing to Manta is like, I mean, that's just, it's a level of, of- terribleness you know difficult to comprehend but then the media to go on this huge like well obviously he made it up and he's just hiding that he's gay and like killed yeah. his draft stock and killed like his reputation and uh, yeah. like like all of it was a massive issue and uh, dave you w- we were chatting about it yesterday and i think you made a very good point of it, it just shows actually how far the media has come in that i don't think those would be this kind of sort of speculative comments that would necessarily be coming out if it happened at this time, I think he well, would probably still knock his draft stock to some extent because yeah. people would be like awareness. And as they touched on in the documentary, his unfair. ability to lead suddenly becomes very different, especially as being considered a leader at Notre Dame. But I don't think the media would be asking a lot of those questions that they kind of were at the time.
0: Well, not only do they, I don't think that they would be, their first thing would be to jump to you're a homosexual, but also I don't, I think that they would understand now that catfishing is like, a, a prevalent thing, thing yeah. and that a lot of people have been taken in by it and it doesn't necessarily make you, it doesn't make you a bad person because you're the victim of fraud basically. Yeah. So, yeah. But I think as well, we're sad. more
3: aware that people can have relationships online that can be real because you don't have to be physically in contact with someone to have emotional attachment. We've learned that technology pervades our life in lots of ways that we never thought it would. And so the ability to have that human connection, and have it be recognized in some ways took a bit of time for that to come through, which is a shame for him because he was, yeah, about 10 years too early, wasn't he? I suppose. Mm. Well, that's right, Jazz.
0: And you're, you know, as we know you're pursuing a relationship with uh, Nelly's prison friend right now. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's your pen. that's so migraine so patch. TV and you've never met, met
4: him. <laughs> How are you feeling? Is it helping?
3: It definitely helps. Yeah. I took it off for a second to think I'll just take it off and see if it goes away but it didn't so i thought i'd keep it on and just look like a fool because that's fine
4: you own it you're doing a great that's job that's what i'm trying to do
3: no, so
0: nice is <laughs> the nicest person this
3: is, this is
2: the equivalent of, of phoebe
1: schecter catfishing because she's all nice to everybody's face but then you put her on an nfl field and she's an absolute beast of a player who's making tackles all over the place and has no regard for anybody's Talking life at crazy all shit of people, yeah <laughs> celebrating in their face and stuff yeah, yeah. i see i see are you you over the the world championships yet or are you yeah you know
4: it's kind of a funny one like when you're out I think it also is different for us too right because we we didn't have that first game versus Mexico so it almost was this weird six-day period of unknown because we were game playing the whole time for Mexico leading up to it Then when we found out we weren't playing them, we didn't know who we would necessarily play next. That game wasn't until the Wednesday, and we had to find out who won on the Saturday. And, you know, it it just was like, not a holiday, but, you know, I'm sure, like, all on social media, like, not myself, but a lot of the team were doing TikToks and having singing competitions and things like that. Um, But then, then all of a sudden, it's like you get to game day, which was, the following Wednesday for us, and it's like work, 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 and then final Sunday, and then you fly home Monday and it's like, whoo, what just happened? It went from being what felt like the longest time of our lives to just being over in the blink of an eye. So I, I I'm I don't think I'll get over the feeling so proud of, of what we achieved, you know, going from sixth seed to playing the first seed. Um but it's you know it's already like all right what's next? Um you know this weekend I've gotten under 19 development day so for me, like that's that's got to be the push. Who are those those next generation of GB players that are going to come up through the system? But how, so how you
3: come, come we didn't play Mexico? Sorry.
4: Yeah. So Mexico, um, really, their federation. Essentially, they got to the airport, and their federation basically said, "Hey guys, we wanted to tell you this, but we didn't get your tickets." Oh, um, oh so they had all the <laughs> swag, all the gear. I mean, there's there's more going on um you know some lots of corruption as you can imagine um so i think a lot of the players ended up having to buy themselves new flights but it was crazy the journeys they had to take because obviously there's no direct flight from mexico to finland they end up going from like mexico to uh i, don't know, I think it was like amsterdam or france to switzerland to germany and then to finland i mean it was an insane journey for these four
0: for a game then
4: yeah basically basically
1: and then of course you have the incredible pick in the semi-final against canada which i'm sure you've got on your phone so when you go to the under 19 development day you can be like hey guys just do this just watch this do this (laughs) that's how you play defense
4: (laughs) yeah just just that simple don't worry about it but my first year playing safety so it's a very different view from back there. I'm usually much closer to the action and like obviously film review from the Canada game. I was playing like I thought it was a linebacker because that's my voice plays. My coach is like, why are you in the box again? You are literally the safety. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) It's cover
0: two. Get back
4: there. Yeah, (laughs) basically. We played cover two like the whole time. And I'm in the box. I'm ready, guys.
0: As long as you get get the sack that you've uh, called yourself, then it's (laughs) fine and
4: picked. (laughs) Oh, you need me to blitz? Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Also,
1: everybody else has been doing TikToks while Schechter's been in the corner, being old misery guts, studying more game tape on the Canadians (laughs) and the Mexicans while everybody else is having fun on that thing. So you you're exactly. reading run pre snap anyway. That's why you're coming down. I get it. Yeah,
4: basically, exactly. I was like, oh, they're in pistol. Perfect. It's a run. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they
1: always run out of shotgun. This team, I know it for exactly. a fact. Exactly.
4: Yeah. <laughs> did you notice
1: this year with the uh, with the World Championships, like an uptake in in, in general interest? Because you are, you know, kind of a pretty big deal when it comes to UK American football and American football in general. And did you see like what? The attention that you garner has added more attention to for instance the world championships and more people taking an interest in seeing and everything
4: i think so i mean even um you know charles the guy who we were with at super bowl last year he reached out and did an article on us i know bbc reached out um sky did some stuff uh you know vernon k so there was like lots of people from the lionesses i think it's not just me, though, I think we also, we were playing at a really great time where literally the Lionesses were playing, right? So yeah, that yeah. that emphasis on women's sport is at an all-time high. I mean, we watched the finals with Team Germany, who happened to be out there, too. So that was pretty cool, like, watching that all together. But I think people thought, I mean, and, and if you hashtag women's football, is that soccer? Is that American football? Oh, I, I don't see. know, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> piggybacking, we're
1: going to pop up. I like it. Wait, so you're accusing the lionesses of piggybacking on your world championship success? Is what I'm you're saying? Your
2: yeah, oh, obviously.
0: <laughs> I think since the last time we spoke as well, maybe you've uh, you've been on the ATN podcast,
2: so yeah, I enjoyed that popping right. up.
0: I was like, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't see it on, I didn't read the thing. It's just queued up on my like um, iTunes or whatever. And uh, suddenly they're like, Phoebe Shacks is on the podcast today joining us. I was like,
4: wow,
2: I know her. <laughs> have. <laughs> so,
4: so. I know. That was so cool because we had done, well, when we were, again, in LA, Greg came in and joined us for the Super yeah. Bowl and we we're kind of chatting then and he said, oh yeah, we'll get you on. And, and people say that. Uh, sure. And then he actually messaged and was like, hey, do you want to come do this? But I had a lot of backlash on my picks which I do not care. Kyle Pitts was still a great decision. I don't care if you're saying it's a receiver lineup or not.
2: Well, I appreciated
0: that pick being a Falcons fan. So yeah. I was yeah. cheering for that. I don't know. There was some... Uh, yeah, he's like a hybrid. I got what you're saying. You're trying to be interesting. It's a podcast. Yeah. Like, what's going Absolutely. on? You stick to the rules.
4: Yeah, who needs that? You said a well-rounded receiver group. Well, he... Rounds out my receiver group, so. <laughs> I'd
1: be I'd be retracting that Pitts one for this coming year, though. Shortly, with no quarterback in Atlanta, really,
4: or
3: anyone else around him. Yeah.
4: Literally, literally. It's a
0: long-term pick. They were building franchises, <laughs> It's a d- it's d- dynasty, it next time. League. Yeah, a yeah, dynasty yeah. league. you. you,
1: you. Always okay. you always build your uh, your franchise around a tight end. That's what I heard. That's Hey,
0: plus plus. Our um our number one pick from this year, Drake London is injured already on his second play um in preseason. So uh carl Pitts is our only receiver. So uh yeah, he's going to get loads yeah. of targets.
1: Well that Yeah. But that means you get your rookie to sit a year, which gets him completely well rested while he learns about the NFL. I mean, that's like redshirting a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes did for his first <laughs> year behind Alex Smith. It's a logical step for the Falcons. I totally get it.
2: Like we just red-shirt play, all
1: our good players so they don't get injured and wait until we've got a quarterback. You could yeah. trade them all Perfect. away as well. That's what you seem to do. You lose them, trade them, move them out to different places. That'd work well. Uh. It's like a Chelsea loan scheme without actually being able to get them back at any point. It
4: works.
2: Can we, yeah, we so talk great. about
0: another team now? Or...
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, have you watched the Lions' um, Hard Knock?
3: Yeah. yeah. Do
4: you like it? What do you think? Do you not like it? Your tone makes me feel like none of you are excited about this. I'm
3: oh, not, no, I, I, I hard loved Hard Knocks it. in general, so I'd turn in to watch it. I'm I waiting for it. That. I'm waiting for Dave and Ollie's opinions, and yours too, Phoebe, whether I should bother or not, because most years I don't bother at all. I thought
0: the first episode was great. The second episode not as good, but it was hard to follow that. Um I don't know, what was it? I what did I put down here? I was uh cuz I knew we were going to talk about hard knocks.
3: Amon i don't Dave Ra, has his notes to hand.
0: Ammon Ra sent Brown naming his um uh, all the receivers that got picked ahead of him. It's all 16 receivers that got picked ahead of him.
1: Yeah, that was good. Um
0: that was good, and he was so mad about it as well. Like, I do believe that that guy is genuinely upset about it. As well. <laughs> He's
1: he carrying took that, that personally. Yeah. Um, although, although him claiming like, "Oh well," I, and I've got the rookie um, record in Lions history for reception yards and touchdowns, and I was like, "Yeah, but it's the Lions. That could be like 50 yards for rookie reception yeah. yards." <laughs> like that.
2: They,
3: they did have a player called Calvin Johnson. that was a rookie. That That's was. true. Yeah, that is
1: true. Yeah. All right. So still dining out on Megatron the Lions even yeah, for now. Exactly. Yeah. Fact, They're still yeah, dining I mean,
3: out on Barry Sanders. What would you expect?
1: Um, I mean, he makes an appearance in the second episode and at no point do you see Barry Sanders talking to any of the running backs, which I thought was insane. <laughs> like He's <laughs> there on the training camp. He's on the oh, sideline. He's just talking about yeah, the
0: grass I mean... and stuff. He's uh, he's a bit strange, to be honest. Or he comes How much across help as strange
3: can <laughs> he really be? Because he was an insane talent in terms of his ability to shift and make people miss and see things no one else could see you can't really teach that. You can't coach that. I don't understand how you could really, obviously, Phoebe, you can <laughs> tell me I'm talking nonsense.
2: But if you
3: have a talent like that, you just say, just go and do, and do X, Y, and Z, as opposed to trying to teach someone who does the X, Y, and Z really good, yeah. add the flash to it, because the flash is either you have or you don't.
4: Yeah, because it's more of like a, a feeling, isn't it, really? Yeah. Like, you can guide them through all of that, but they're, they're obviously levels to the game. It's interesting that, that David, you loved that first episode, yeah. I didn't love the first. Now, I'm not deep into it. I'll be completely clear. But I, I thought it was, you know, it's. I guess it's hard for me to not compare everything with my, with like any of my experiences. Uh-huh. So even like the simplest thing of when Dan Campbell was in the, in the coaches, like in the, sorry, the team room uh-huh. and he's starting the meeting right at the beginning. And he has to like shout up a couple of times and people are still talking. Like yeah, I thought me, that was strange. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, mm. And everyone has a different way of managing a situation, but I'm like, all right, Coach McDermott, the cool, what I loved about it is we would have music blasting, you know, 6.30 AM blasting all throughout the building, blah, blah, Music goes off. He talks or he walks in the room and the music goes off. Do you know, so there's like mm-hmm. a, a clear start and an end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I really like him. And I, I, I mean, I said to Ollie all last season, like, I think he's a great coach i really love the way that he's able to pull his players along um but it was a, i had a really uh you guys spoke with kenny before i had a really interesting conversation with him last night uh about what do you think and i'd love to know your opinions as well what do you guys think about the idea of having an all x player staff and you know as opposed to like some of the other staffs which have a few x players sprinkled in yeah. what i mean what did you guys think about that well
0: so I think with Dan Campbell, my concern with him as a head coach is that kind of get everybody hyped up, I'm an ex-player, I've been in the league for, forever, and his coaches seem to be following that kind of vibe and that energy. It it feels a bit to not pally with the players, because they're obviously like, they're kind of shouting at them and times and stuff, giving them a rough time. But I don't know. I don't know if there's that divide between players and coaches quite that you would expect maybe from like, really successful teams. Um,
3: like a New England.
0: Yeah, it does feel... I don't know. I could I could see there being problems. Like, is he going to be a bit too close to the players, Dan Campbell, to be able to make really tough decisions on picking the players and then throughout the season? I don't know.
1: That I, would be my first thoughts on it. I wouldn't even worry about that sort of thing. I just think Dan Campbell comes... Everybody got into his speech last year when he was crying at the podium about how this team works and works and they don't get the respect and they don't get the wins that he feels they deserve for the work rate and they were in a lot of close games in the second half of last year but then i listened to dan campbell give his speeches in hard knocks i was like oh he almost cries in every speech like, uh, suddenly it doesn't yeah. seem that m- his voice seems to crack every so often and he sounds like he's really kind of and i get the emotional thing uh thing of like you know giving one of those sterling speeches but yeah. for instance the jamal williams speech in the first episode oh yeah
0: that was yeah. too much for me by no, the way i was gonna me, bring that up that's in my notes
1: uh that on my i phone, thought that maybe. was great he gets really emotional because he's not only come from the packers where he's used to being like a winning football team yeah but jamal williams is like such a nice happy lively character that you see him come out of that and actually be like "Ha ha, it's all fun and games and me talking about naruto and japanese anime but i want to win because i'm tired of what happened last year and it really hurt me the fact that we were such a bad football team so i liked mm-hmm. that you saw him coming out of what we normally expect him to be whereas dan campbell i'm just seeing more and more of like almost crying dan campbell in every single speech and i'm not sure that's a guy that I think some people would necessarily respond to it if every single time it seems a bit over the top like that whereas williams doing it once shows like an impassioned speech and then yeah, maybe back, you don't know that
0: he's just doing it once though as well like because it's
2: just, uh...
1: yeah if he keeps doing it but he's the second string running back at the end of the day in that place as well mm-hmm. so for him to speak up like that he's probably not going to do it too many more times you would have thought yeah um, i, I think that's true it... although i did
0: i did see people in that huddle being a little bit, you can see the eyes being a bit like, "Whoa!" Like he's getting really intense right now. Yeah. Like this yeah. is like we're just starting training camp, dude. <laughs> like yeah, so.
4: and that's kind of my thoughts as well. Like, I guess two ways on that is that actually almost some of it falls on deaf ears because half of those people will not be there when the real season counts. Yeah, that's not to say it's not important that for all those players who are working their butts off because you need that iron sharpens iron mentality. But I just wonder if, if it almost—I I personally felt it went on a little bit too long.
2: Yeah. I think there were a couple
4: of times he could have ended it yeah. and still had the same punchiness to it. Mm. But yeah, I did think actually, well, I knew some of these guys maybe won't care. Well,
0: that—that's it, isn't it? The kind of speech you'd expect Phoebe when you're like one and three, and your season's already tipping a bit on its yeah. side. And you're—I'm like, sure we'll oh,
1: see oh, that later just... on at one and three lines. <laughs> <laughs> well, <worry>. I, think <laughs> be, I think they'll be—I think they'll be zero <laughs> oh and four, Ollie. So don't worry about that. <laughs> the the training staff that are all ex-players as well like the first episode the the back and forth that do staley was having with the other coach like that kind of got really annoying after a while i thought that was too much like stop focusing about your battle with the coach and start looking about what's on the field but oh, then I, when, know, I enjoyed that but then when staley's in the running back room in the second episode and he's like saying a swift why are you not putting a stiff arm out? You've got the ball in your right hand. You're going to the edge and you've got a linebacker coming across that you're not going to outbeat for pace. You've got to put an arm out there and maybe you actually get into the end zone on this play. And I kind of like the fact that Staley, somebody that did it at a pretty high level in Philadelphia. Yeah. So he knows what it takes to be a good running back. And he had a combination of you know maneuverability and a bit of power to his body as well. And so it's kind of imparting a bit of wisdom at that point and learning lessons and kind of saying to Swift as well, like if you don't play hard like this, you're not going to be as good as you want to be because you have all the potential to be a great running back. But we need to get you playing like that. So when the former players can impart that sort of wisdom, I think it's great. I just... I would say, like, a Belichick-type character in that head coaching situation would be better if you've got a staff that's all former players, yeah. Yeah. as opposed to a constant trickle through the whole system, because you almost then potentially yeah. have, like, the kind of player's boardiness of a locker room between the coaches as well, which is think yeah. what comes across in that Staley and the yeah, other Yeah, like, who's,
0: who's keeping it all together, you know? Like, who's the real adult in the room kind of thing? Yeah.
3: Mm. And not all experience is good experience. If you play on a bad side or you weren't as physically gifted as a player. You might make a better coach because you understand why people will struggle. Whereas going back to Barry Sanders' point, if you had him as your running backs coach, you can't guarantee you'll get the best out of him for what he would have given because again, some of his gifts weren't exactly coachable. Yeah, you uh, only I do know like what the. You know. f- yeah, exactly. And again, it's it's one of those ones where I do think it's quite fun to see players having a much more of a, a friendly relationship with their coaches because it probably makes, makes it feel more like a family rather than having one kind of arch like nemesis at the table you don't really want to talk to. But at the same time, there needs to be that person who can really make sure it's all coming back to to business. Why I think the Steelers do it so well with Tomlin because he's very personable and gets to know the players on a very personal level. But still, everyone knows that he's ultimately the person in charge and they have the utmost respect for him and controls everything in his surroundings accordingly so it'll be interesting to see I'd love it to see it working because of course the NFL's a copycat league isn't it so if this works the lines and suddenly they flip a switch maybe X players will get all the jobs they should be uh, deserving of well that's it's it how economy... many that's the other question too broadcasting is probably slightly better hours I'd imagine mm.
1: <laughs> and probably a lot more money if you're Tony Romo so and Tom Brady's already Tom Brady's signed a three hundred million yeah. yeah. contract yeah. so you know easy life although you're on that sort of money with TalkSport for this coming season aren't you for the London Games Phoebe? So, Surely, <laughs> yeah. 20 million five... a year right yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we need some of that Saudi money to come and sponsor the NFL on TalkSport I think I'd probably still do it then you know I, I'm, I'm not really into the live golf thing but if they sponsored TalkSport Aramco did yeah I could live yeah. with that yeah yeah <laughs> Sold my soul a little bit <laughs> but what, what, what was Sean McDermott like in those sorts of interactions with players Pheebs is he a bit more Because I think last time you were on, and we discussed it in LA about how you didn't want to obviously be like, Josh, Josh, when Josh Allen walked through Mm -hmm. Radio Row because you want to have that divide. But also there are some coaches that thrive on that, kind of that being a bit more of a hands-on with players and their families and kind of having that interaction. You've got the opposite of that, which was like John Gruden when Warren Sapp used to like not even look him in the eye in the facility and things like that. Yeah, I think Sean's
4: got a good healthy balance too. I mean, whenever I think of him, I always think, with greatness comes great responsibility, um, and I think there's a, I think there's an element of a lot of the head coaches that I've been around, whether it's like David Shaw at Stanford or um, Coach McDermott or any of these like amazing coaches, is they're really good at identifying what that fine line is. Kind of to David's point about being overly friendly, and yeah. there's a, there are levels to it, right? Like if you're all going out as a team. I might not join you if I'm your head coach, because yeah. you need to know that we're not on the same level. And I need to know that there's those, those boundaries up between us. So, you know, even like when we have our end of year Christmas party, coach from comes, he'll come for a couple, you know, an hour or something like that, but then he leaves. Right. And I think there's, there's always got to be that element of like, as a head coach, you're not the same. I mean, they say in the first episode, there's 32 people. That is it that get that responsibility. There's no way that those 32 people can be the same as everyone else, right? You have to hold yourself to a higher standard. Um, And I think that's where, you know, you have emotional IQ. You're able to know your players and know what makes them tick, but you also have a great staff in place that they're perhaps closer to the players and able to really get the most out of them. You're there to almost facilitate that.
2: Yeah.
1: You're the puppet master and the staff are the strings, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, that, that's I a good agree. way of describing it, really.
0: Isn't well, it? Also, as well, like, how many great coaches in the NFL at the moment or in recent years have been great players? You know, a lot of them are college players, or they've been bit part players in the NFL. Like, it doesn't matter that Sean McDermott is like not a Hall of Fame player caliber.
2: No,
0: you know, it's just a di- it's a different skill set. I think it can obviously it can it doesn't preclude you from being a great coach if you have been a great player, but I don't know. It's not, I don't know if it's a coincidence that like loads of head coaches aren't uh, great ex-players.
1: If you're a great player in the NFL, you're so locked in on your one position because you don't have to go and play anywhere else. You're probably not on special teams. If you're a hall of Famer, unless you're a hall of fame, special teams player, of course. So you're very much like, I'm a receiver. I make everything that it being a receiver works. I don't actually have to know much about other stuff that's going on. I just need to know my job, my duty on every single play and make the catches that I need to and how to make those catches. Whereas if you're a guy that is perhaps a third on a depth chart, fourth on a depth chart, you do get met, moved around into different positions. You are expected to fill in either on practice squad reps as well as, of course, like actually in training. So then you get a broader spectrum of what goes into making a playbook, making an American football team tick. And that actually perhaps makes you a better candidate for coaching and head coaching because you've experienced a wider breadth of the sport in your playing career Mm -hmm.
4: yeah and there's not i'm not i mean i'm blanking right now but i can't think of many hall of fame players that have gone on to take on a head coaching role it's not something i mean i remember talking to some of our guys and they're like i don't want to after i i dedicate my body to this game for this amount of years And I know I'm going to be in pain forever and and all of that. And I'm away from my family for so long. Why would I then go into an industry where I'm going to be away from my family even more? I'm going to get less sleep than ever before. And I'm actually going to get paid less than when I was a player. So you really have to be so passionate about the game Mm. to take that next step to being a coach.
1: Yeah. I can't. I've done a very quick Google search on that and it's not coming up with anything. Mike Ditka would
3: be one of them. Mike Ditka was a Hall of Fame Mm. player and Hall of Fame coach. Yeah. Um, Current ones, I mean, you've got Vrabel. A lot of
0: them didn't even play in the league, did they? Did Shanahan play in the NFL? Nope.
3: The thing Zach Taylor did. Andy Reid didn't. The Bengals coach.
1: I mean, he looks like an offensive lineman, but. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if that was like Andy Reid became the look of an offensive lineman while he was coaching, <laughs> to be honest. A lot of sat down in front of the whiteboard doing
4: something. I'm going to say, that. Coach Bod is very real. <laughs> I'm,
1: not
0: sure, I'm not sure there's like much call for five foot five Sean McVeigh in the NFL either. No.
4: I, That's why I became a, a coach.
2: I don't know. Because
3: yeah. it, that, the year that he was the high school student of the year, was the same mm. year that Calvin Johnson was beaten by him for for that thing. So that year they had McVeigh and Calvin Johnson's two mm. high school athletes the like NFL not NFL, American football in that state, I think it was. And they wow. won it over mm. Calvin Johnson. But because he was he's so short, he had to change into coaching because he didn't get the chances at college. It's oh, the same wow. same as Kellen Moore was That's a great sad, talent out of Boise yeah.
1: State and they all said you're not tall enough to play in the NFL. So he kinda of joined Dallas but basically just was doing a coaching intern from the moment he turned up in Dallas, I think. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it all works out for
0: Sean anyway. Can't feel too sorry yeah. for him. <laughs>
1: that's true. Yeah, that's true. Phoebes, can you answer a question for me, by the way, about Uh-oh. this, this point of time in the season? Cause I see obviously a lot of people are putting things like, Oh my God, hard knocks is back. This is the best thing ever. And I think as we've discussed, like this one in particular is it's a fine hard knocks. I don't think it's the most captivating yet. So I think we're all just getting that taste of American football back and maybe we're seeing a bit of overhype about like I'm definitely up.
0: A, I'm definitely a part of that sorry Yeah yeah no
1: I, I, there is a look <laughs> of judgment towards you on this He's Sunday, drunk wasn't. the Kool-Aid Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But on. but preseason games is even more irritating to me with this sort of chat because like I personally look at preseason and think this is great for teams for coaches and for players on the bubble and for fans to be like Starting to overanalyze preseason to get hyped up and excited about preseason games, it, it's nothing like an NFL game at all, in my opinion. <laughs> from watching it, and like I tried to a couple of years ago start watching the preseason games, and I was like, you know what, like wake me up when week one I'll starts, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. So, yeah. as somebody that's been in this a bit on the sidelines for preseason. It's great for you guys, right? That's where the decision, the big decisions, are getting made about the remainder of your what is an hour seventeen game season. We shouldn't. You're not watching preseason right now, right?
4: No, I mean for me, it, it's exactly as you're saying. It gets kind of gets the rust off a little bit, um, but it's more so about those those kind of on the on the line guys. You know, if you're trying to see who are going to be your special teams core group. Um, some of the players that you had a few questions about, you want to see how they do like live in contact. Um, those are, it's really for them, which is why, you know, you start with your starters and then you slowly, you add in your second string and then your third string and any of your other guys. I mean, it's just, it's more so for those bubble guys. And, um, I I just find it hard to watch because it's not great football. You know, people are Mm -hmm. still kind of figuring themselves out and, you know, unlike in Lions, for some people it's their first time literally going live in contact. So I mean, and gosh, not to go back to the Lions thing, but watching that the practice, the first episode, the defense were Ugh. shocking. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I can't. Really... And you're gonna play a game in a couple of weeks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Missing tackles left, right, and center. Oh,
4: but it's not even like tackles. It's it's the taking like the tracking of a ball carrier, like. Literally down to that because the tackle is like your end result, but it's all the things that you need that build up to that tackle that mm. are just not there. Like tracking at this point in your life should almost be, uh, like it should nature. almost be, yeah for sure. And I get that it's like a next step up at that elite level and people move quicker and they can shift quicker. But and I I'm such a like a a ranter on tackling because I think it's something that like we just don't do enough of in in American football. Yet we say it's so important. Um, but yeah, I just felt like I, and, and it applies to the preseason games, right? Tackling is awful. It doesn't really show you who you are because you're getting an arm tackle. And then now your defense, now your safeties are having to run halfway across the field to go finish it up. And it's not really a true, like identity for me.
2: Yeah. So well, with
3: we- that, well, how much tackling do you actually get done in a NFL season? then? Not in terms of playing, but in terms of kind of training and practice. Cause of course there's only so many padded practices you get.
4: Yeah, I mean, again, every team is different, right? Like for me, I didn't know that the Lions would do that first day of practice. Like that's, that's a lot. I mean, I like they kind of threw me under the bus a little bit. But I mean, Bills, we wouldn't do any live tackling until the first preseason game. Wow. So that's all from right. your last game in whatever it might be. Hopefully you know? February. Yeah, hopefully February. Now January or February. Um, all the way through until, because it's all padded stuff. Otherwise, you might be hitting pads. A lot of it's like two-hand touch. But that doesn't teach you so much, you know, you can only do so much um, like on air, which is not great. So, yeah, I just think there's a lot of elements that need to be added in. Like there's ways that you can do tackling in practice that is not dangerous. Do you know what I mean? Or there's like equipment you can use that would help you.
0: Well, they do it in rugby all the time. I always thought that they should take kind of I don't think that Americans are going to be taking many lessons from Brits on many things, but um, (laughs) I think there might be some things to learn. We've had the discussion before about why there aren't more like kickers that transition from like rugby because the kicking level in rugby is so high from different angles and incredible lengths and stuff and out there dropping out the hands as well. Um, With tackling as well, it does seem like you could probably learn a a couple of things because it's, it is much more on technique in rugby. You can wrap up a bigger guy from the legs and really take him down rather than just relying on the physicality. And I guess that gets forgotten sometimes, especially as these guys probably dominate in like high school and college on their size. And then they get to the NFL and like everybody's bigger and you can't necessarily just muscle your way through it, I guess.
4: Yeah. I mean, there's, um, so Richie Gray, who's Scottish, uh, he's been around for quite some years. He does a lot. He's got his own tackling system Mm -hmm. um, called like GSI tackling uh, and we use like we use his equipment because it's just like I love it personally he does like weighted bags and things like that and but I mean it's just more so like like it's really weird right because you can analyze and and I'm not meaning to go on a tangent but you can analyze Feel
1: free I'll teach you it yeah, yeah, let's it's, go. A, it's a podcast tangent away I, know,
4: it's fine. I, know. I talk too much anyways <laughs> <laughs> um you can go like, O-line, you can do a million different ways to put your foot, like all that footwork stuff or hand placement, tackling, you're like, okay, dip and drive. There's no way that's all there is to tackling, right? So like, how do we not evaluate the tackle and break it down into a way that you can actually grade and see where it's going wrong? Is it your like tracking? Is it the acceleration of your feet? Is it the actual, when you make contact, like what part of the tackle is going wrong for you? Because very few times it's just or, or most of the time people say, oh, that's a poor tackle. Well, yeah, but why was that poor? Like, there's so many things that happened to get it to that point. Um, and a, a lot of it actually has to do with your eye discipline. So, like, okay. I don't know, and I'm going to totally butcher his name. Don't let me butcher his name. What is the Man City, Belgium guy?
0: Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne.
4: Thank you. Look, nailed it. Did you see they did a study on him on how many times he moves his eyes within a game?
3: No, No, but I can imagine it's all the time.
4: Yeah. So they said that one of the things that makes him an elite player, and I'll find the article I'll send it to you, but one of the things that makes him an elite player is actually he moves his eyes like X amount of times more than the average player does, Mm -hmm. even in the Premier League. And that's the same thing with American football. It's eye discipline. Like imagine – imagine you're a linebacker right now and you've got like a row of trees in front of you how do you know what you're looking for on the other side of that tree right like it's like smoke in oh, here you track not-
3: the triangle you see what the guards yeah. are where the running back is the triangle moving right is moving left is coming through well that sort of stuff right
4: Ex- yeah precisely but you can say that when you're talking about it now you're going to tell me there's 10 people yeah, moving in, in front of, front of you, of you <laughs> is it that simple? Mm, I don't know.
2: <laughs> I think just jazz,
1: jazz just showed it
3: is, actually.
4: Yeah, the yeah. triangle is right, so you're good. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I remember watching a, uh, a Lorenzo Neal like, NFL total access video they did back in like 2009, talking about how you can tell which way it was going when I was playing in, uh, in university. So that was one of the ways I always try to remember that very specific thing. And clearly it's stuck because here I am, 12 years later, still rabbiting it out. Like and you've a, got a
0: fever as well, Jazz, and you can still remember. How that. about that,
3: right?
4: No, how about how that? big is that? <laughs> but that's it. Like, that's like anybody, I, I mean, like, if you watch, the, I think the best, like, the most fun thing to watch is the offensive line. Like, you play a great team, they're going to tell you exactly where the play is going. Um, You know, whether it's, like, if you're outside back, or you usually key in on, like, the tackle. I mean, or the tight end, really. But, like, if you're inside, then you do that whole triangle up to the running back. And, yeah, yeah it's cool.
3: You play rugby too, don't you, Phoebe?
4: I've tried it. I've tried it. I, You know, I, I really want to, like, try again. I think okay. it's super cool. Um, but I've only played, like, I played at a team up near me, did a couple of practices. It is so much running.
3: Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of running. Yeah, it's just it not stopping. You are like, waiting for the whistle as well. Like, can
4: we have... <laughs> Is like, that it the end of is it? Is not it. the next play
3: now? Like,
2: Literally. The, we've got yeah, 40 minutes of this.
3: <laughs> so the reason why I asked that is because what Dave said about tackling, I think actually that it's two different things. Tackling in rugby is about just getting the man to the ground to allow your other teammates to come in and have an opportunity to get the ball. Mm. Whereas in American football, of course, you're stopping the play, you're trying to knock it out if you can, but fundamentally, you're trying to re- remove the momentum of the ball carrier by any means necessary. So I yeah. think one of the reasons why NFL tackling maybe is not quite as good as it maybe should be is because, again, when these kids are in college and high school, the big fast ones will just level someone at the legs or level somewhere in the chest. That's all they need to do because mm-hmm. they haven't got to do full-on arm tackling. Yeah.
4: Agreed. And then how many times do you actually see that like front plane – like proper full on tackle, it's yeah. super rare, yeah. like yeah. really. I mean, rugby, you might get it a bit more when you're coming out of like um, rock. <laughs> you're, gonna right say you go. Go. you're gonna it's say
2: good. more, gonna you're gonna say more. Yeah. more
3: works. More works. Okay. I mean, okay. anything okay. really works. Yeah, breakdown, just say the breakdown <laughs> over and over again because you can only get <laughs> tackled when you've got the ball, anything. so you can come in out of anything and you can be mm-hmm.
2: tackled, so it's fine.
4: Yeah, perfect, but like. I mean, most of the tackles in the NFL, especially now when you're trying to run it out to the corners and make them tackle, they're all going to be that kind of angle tackle or that low level one gator roll, whatever you want to call it.
3: Yeah. I mean, that was a big thing we learned in like the first few weeks of doing contact at university was in rugby, we're always taught whenever you're tackling someone from the side, your head goes to their backside so that if there's a knee coming up, your head's free of the knee and you have a better chance to wrap them around the side and then go down the legs and get the stop american football yeah well here's here's a helmet oh it's not going to hurt when you get kneed your head is now the forceful implement should we say to prevent them from getting any further up the field so you put it ahead of the person and that means that you you if say if you're you your right arm you're right-handed it might mean your, your weaker arm is more at risk of having to do more work to try and get around the player if that makes sense
4: yeah i mean so now you do try and teach. Um, again, that's not rugby style, but you try and go like head behind. Where yeah. like when I first started playing, they literally were the the visual key was bite the ball. Like, yeah. Whereas now you're trying to go behind, but then that's more like so that's why you end up with a lot of these like weird arm tackle things because yeah. you're trying to get behind. You're following that near hip, but like you're actually not in a good position yet, like or your body's not square or whatever that may be. Like you really want to think. I've always been told, like, be a surgeon, not a butcher. So you uh, want to be a surgeon and be super accurate with this point in your shoulder. So yeah. We get a lot of people who just come in and are like, Meh. Boom. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it looks embarrassing. You slide on their legs. Someone else has to come get them. <laughs>
1: yeah, you've been watching Philadelphia Eagles tackling for the yeah. last few years. Yeah, very <laughs> accurate. I mean, the number of tackles that they can miss is ridiculous. Yeah, hey, Ollie, I've
0: just, I've just had a look. You guys are playing the Lions week one. That's gonna be, uh, that's gonna be good fun if they.
1: Well, it's going to be the, embarrassing the, the, if I'm mugging no, off the DCT. Lions hard knocks I know. for the whole of the preseason and then go down. And that means I we can like only lose one playing. more game. And then my prediction for the Eagles record this year is out of the water.
0: Although I do feel like, from memory, you murdered them last year. So Yeah,
1: but they also, the year before that, beat us in be Philadelphia. So I'm yeah, not too excited. I'm getting more and more nervous as we get to the season. But in <laughs> terms of like teaching tackling, though, isn't... You see, as we've said, kind of touched on, there's so many times that you see in the NFL where tackling is just somebody's just chucking their body in the way rather than any sort of form. But if you go into camp straight away and have an almost like reteach, like form tackling for the first week over and over, you can still do that kitted. And it's not as dangerous as doing, let's just go live into a contact session with the running backs. Like Let's do one-on-ones, but make sure every tackle is form tackling. So not only do we have a chance to then actually wrap the, wrap the arms around somebody and take the legs and stop a player with the first tackle rather than needing four or five in Philadelphia's case sometimes. So you can actually, can't you train that and bring that in as a, as a coaching staff very early on and and have that. I mean, I don't, I've got to talk to that, but I want to hear what Stevie says first.
4: Yeah. um, I mean, you can, I think people are going to be conscious of like lots of contact on their bodies. I mean, like one of my friends who was playing Buffalo is now playing the Steelers. He's like, Oh man. I'm not looking forward to having to do tackling preseason when it's something he's not done for all of his years in the NFL, you know, it's going to change because even, you know, they say it in the the Detroit documentary, like, this is going to be the worst that you, you know, or this is the best you feel Hmm. right now, because it's only going to go downhill, right? Like with all the, all the knocks that you take and all of that. But I, I think there's, I think there's also drills you can do. I think there's, there's real drills you can do that are all decision-based and that's the biggest thing like what is football okay if x happens i'm doing y or i'm going here so that means x y and z do you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. like how can you really make players think on the fly and i think there's a way to do that and then challenge them put them in you know awkward positions like we do not to be talking about drills but like I love a drill where basically if I'm stood like almost like diagonally on to you, Ollie, and I've only got like my, my hand on your shoulder. Now I have to find myself. I, like when I say go, you're going to be the running back. That's going to try and run from this awkward position. I have to be able to drop, put myself in a strong position, get my core engaged and drive you back. Like that is being out of an uncomfortable, unfit, like out of body control to then having to be able to find myself and it and that kind of like neurological testing or, you know, whatever the word is, I can't think of right now, you know, things like that, which are what happens in a game, right? You might be super mm. high, you're getting blocked. Well, the running back's here. I need to be able to drop, get underneath him, get my shoulder in him. Like, how do you create those situations more?
1: Yeah. It's, it's getting the, uh, the neurons to react instinctively <laughs> as much as possible. Now I remember having a very long conversation with somebody down at the IPD, um, combine in london about that of all of these guys are, are great physical specimens but because they haven't played american football to the same level in, in high school and college as as americans have how long does it take and i think christian yeah. wade was one of the examples to to turn yeah. it into instinct as opposed to thinking because you don't have time to think ever and and for some people is that even possible to get the neurons fine like that rather than thinking about how you're going to react in every situation it just
3: takes years it's just that learning sort of Hierarchy, isn't it? To get to unconscious competence, it takes a, a hell mm. of a long time, isn't it? Uh, my retort to what said there, by the way, with tackling, does not. We do not feel a little bit like trying to teach NFL players how to suck eggs to some extent, because the reason why they're there. I think so, but point, until
1: you're until you're perfect in every tackle, until you until you're not missing tackles, you can always improve. So let's make you perfect.
3: I agree, but then at the same time, does there not need to be more of a instead of it be down to the NFL team to make sure tackling is taught properly? that should be done at the grassroots level because yeah, you can yeah. have yeah, someone college, come through yeah. who well, college. Absolutely. But high even school. In high school and, yeah. and, and kind of pop football, they need to make sure that tackling is taught correctly. The trouble you have is the rogue coaches who put the seven year olds in the Oklahoma drill from day one. And all they're doing is just getting their heads just blasted off because the big kid tummy in the corner mm-hmm. is just bigger than everyone yeah, and yeah, dominate yeah. everyone, not learning how to do it properly. And also going back to the idea of what you're saying there, Phoebe, in terms of how to use your body and control it that way, would there not be a better emphasis on trying to get people to learn kind of Olympic wrestling? Because although that's a lot of extra wear and tear on the body, it teaches you how to use your leverage and use your body mass more efficiently to the point where you can watch the 50 kilo men completely tie the NFL players up in knots if they decided they wanted to because they have the ability and knowledge of how to use leverage better.
4: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I also think like, anything like wrestling, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, anything yeah. like that, where you have to be really conscious of someone else's movements. Like, And we do see more players doing that. We see more players doing like some some boxing. I mean, that's good for, like, speed, but I don't think it's great for the be same... It's good for your, uh,
3: uh, for your O-linemen and D-linemen to try and sure. to beat stuff
4: off, yeah. Yeah, yeah, working on those reflexes, things like that. But, I mean, then that goes back, actually, for me, the best athletes are multi-sport athletes because yes. now you're incorporating... Yeah. all those you know multiple plane movement all those skills you've learned since a kid from running to basketball boxing out you know whatever that may be like now you can now apply them into your sport today
0: well we had when we had uh shane vereen on last i think he was telling us What's about, about we? how well, we're talking about he was a sprinter um like a high-end sprinter as well before he went into was he doing it at college as well? I think yeah, it was he on was on the, college, college. on the track, team, college at track team Yeah, he was like not that far below like Olympic kind of times. It was a yeah, bit he, scary. Well, he, was no mm. yeah, he was no slouch. But yeah, he was saying how a lot of players in the NFL don't, like they never get taught how to run. Like from his point of view, because he got coached doing track and doing
2: yeah.
0: um, sprinting. And he was like, you can look at people's styles of running, their gait or whatever. And um, you can just see they didn't get taught how to run, even though they might be able to run really fast. Um, I that applies to offensive.
4: everyone, by the way. Oh Many yeah. People do not
3: get taught how to run. Oh, yes. oh it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I know that I look everyone. stupid oh. when I run. I went for a. You're already going red, lesson. David. <laughs> I went for a lesson once to a sprint coach in between summers at uni's of summer. Um, summers of uni, there you go. And <laughs> there was two guys there. The one guy I first contacted, and the guy I actually did the session with me. I did like a just said just run, have a warm up around the track. I came back around and the guy said, is that how you run? I was like, yeah. <laughs> he obviously used some choice language and told me that maybe I need to have a long, hard look at myself because my my gait and my running was so abysmal. Were
0: you running like Phoebe and Friends? when she- I was
3: running like I normally run. <laughs> 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 okay. I said, no, I'm doing this pretty well. Turns out not very well at all. And then going through the drills to try and understand how it all works more biomechanically, I was like, well, th- why don't we get taught this? Because this although some people has it come to them second nature, fine. This is a very important skill to be able to do not just in terms of being able to run faster but also to make sure you stay injury free
4: exactly mm-hmm. i mean think of like the amount of people that i mean i love watching people run like especially driving down the street like how different everyone is but you can see where their imbalances are you know you get the people with like the knees in when they run yeah. or like the one-sided like limps, or their shoulder you know it's like
2: how do not- you see <laughs> me run
3: <laughs> wait what is this what is this baby you're like
0: some hunchbacks <laughs> running down that. your home
2: <laughs> that is there's some weird people
3: around are you, you sure you weren't close to notre dame when that happened <laughs> i is, think you might is, have a load of like crack addicts just
2: roaming around <laughs> your street. You
4: this know? is
1: why you're moving isn't it you're tired this of seeing it. all these crazy people running in this weird is and is different ways yeah oh where are you moving uh, to
4: i'm gonna come down to london like oh, but I- oh london town I am so sad. <laughs> yeah, love... you leave the,
3: well, you're in the Northwest now, aren't you?
4: Yeah, I love yeah. living up in Manchester. And I'll, like, I'll keep my place. I just, with work, like, it makes more sense. And really, the only thing that annoys me is the ultra low emission zone. Mm. Yeah. That kills me because I have a diesel car. So it takes all my money.
1: What are I you mean, driving, like the... a Humvee or something? Surely the the no. diesel cars have like a, some of them are super about, low emission and stuff. What about 20 uh, million
0: the... Sky Sports money? Can I get a Tesla, for God's sake? What's yeah. going oh, on? Oh,
3: why, why on? Why are you driving your own car? You made it now, you should be getting chauffeured.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, get someone else to drive your Tesla. Aren't Sky it's sending good the good chauffeur Uber? around
4: you for you? Use the old Tesla. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Talksport will send you a Boris bike, I think, that you could use to get around the place. <laughs> so that'll work.
4: Exactly. I hear you're going to help me get my new apartment there, David
1: huh yeah this is you,
4: you're,
1: you're gonna you're gonna help phoebs oh what local yeah, yeah i am yeah.
0: the residential property expert here but I, I only really know like uh properties in wales so uh you know i'm not sure if my skills will oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move into how london.
1: different is property in wales and london dave really i mean come on really uh, the same values. bricks and mortar every, every got house plumbing, in wales as wiring, you
3: know. some wiring. You've got a damp meter. i have wi-fi hopefully has a roof <laughs> maybe some doors yeah the
1: <laughs> only How thing you're lacking it? is garden space that's about it i mean Basically. that's the only difference yeah yeah <laughs> I'll, help you, I'll help you out phoebe i'll get you something Oh, big.
4: yeah add a couple right. zeros that's <laughs> london <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: whereabouts have you looked in london are you are you going right next to sky sports so it's a quick commute or is it
4: just south so anywhere kind of south really south of the river staff staff
1: like millwall yeah. bermondsey way good
4: <laughs> I, like near um like Streatham, or I don't even know what any of these places are called. Anywhere that's like Streatham, Peckham, Dulwich, all those kind oh, of okay. places. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, Dulwich,
2: yeah, oh, Dulwich.
4: Whatever it is. <laughs> I lived in Tottenham like, what, five years ago, six years ago, and it just put me off of the North so much. So I thought what? I'm going to give this down. Oh,
1: right. Wow. Okay. What's, what's wrong with the North what's of London and Tottenham? Tottenham? What's.
3: <laughs> oh what's right about it is that
1: what you're what, trying to
4: say okay. Yeah. So, okay my just to like set the scene for my first day going to view my apartment in tottenham it was like really late dark night time whatever i'm like right driving on the little single lane and there's a lady in the middle of the road and i thought right okay i'm just gonna wait here patiently and this guy comes behind me starts beating his horn so i'm like i'm gonna have to drive forward she kind of like steps out of the way a little bit for me to drive by as i drive by she starts beating my car with her purse mm. and i was like this is where i'm moving
1: home <laughs> welcome to the area it's a classic it. greeting in north london i believe actually it's traditional
0: yeah you should have what you needed to do was shout you're gonna have to bleep this out ollie fuck off you can't and then uh, <laughs> and then that's how that's how you communicate that's with these people and then I she would have it. been like oh sorry you can pass now yeah it's yeah. fine you oh, have sorry the verbal toll you go
4: yeah <laughs> magic words <laughs> i've learned now i've learned yeah that's
3: that's that's not great but i say that's indicative of most bad parts of any part of the world really you find those sort of places anywhere
4: yeah no for sure i mean that's
3: not a great start
4: it wasn't a great start no (laughs) story though i I think you're
0: gonna find some ruffians in south london as well to be honest i don't want to let you down but no no
4: no i'm looking forward to it i've got off stories for next time it'll be great
1: as he long just as you could professed. be like yeah, yeah healthy and not damaged in any way when you tell these stories that's all we need although perfect. woe betide the idiot that tries to mess with phoebe schecter on a dark night in <laughs> london yeah i was and gonna, gonna say she might look nice
4: but she will mess you up they're gonna be exactly. hit
1: with South perfect london. tackling form into oh, the pavement
4: <laughs> beyond the highlights from cctv yeah and then she'll coach you through how she <laughs> fucked you yeah. up yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this is how we break the game, till yeah, Now, now, if
1: you yeah. really wanted to get me off you, what you should have done is you stuck the arm out as I was diving towards mm. you off the ground, and then <laughs> you did! had a better chance. But you know, exactly. you'll learn next time. You'll come back better and stronger. Give <laughs> <laughs> 110 so, 110. I, I mean, love this. Like Has become the
3: tackling podcast. This is great. I know. I'm sorry. This is wonderful. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's great.
1: The yeah. um, the only other thing that I was thinking about yeah. when uh, when you said you're available, Theebs, was. Uh, to come back to my old traditional Josh Allen negativity, which I'm sorry to bring up, mm-hmm. but I'm is coming... he still there, Ollie? What's it's, going on no, no, at this it's, point? I'm come actually on. well. That's the thing. It's not a negativity.
3: I'm actually I changing my Josh mind. Allen, there
1: you go. I think Josh Allen is getting so much hype around things like nailed on to be MVP this year, and I worry that the Bills, there's going to be so much hype. It's too hard for them to live up to it. So while I'm now coming on board with Josh Allen after the playoff performances and everything, I think people are building him up so high that the fall is almost easier than the rise at this point. And I'm interested to see how Jazz and Dave will berate me for thinking this as well and thinking I'm just an anti-Josh Allen person. Uh, Now I'm I'm trying to protect him. I totally
2: agree.
0: It's it's definitely part of the off-season like... uh, Tropes. Yeah, like, I don't know, people are probably going to get hyped about the Lions because of hard knocks. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, I think everybody's <laughs> picking the bills to win the Super Bowl, and if they don't, it's going to be mm-hmm. a letdown now, which is pretty messed up considering how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. Everybody's forgetting that the AFC is like the most stacked it's ever been, or since I've maybe, been
3: watching. maybe any conference has ever been, actually. Mm, it's insane, yes. it's crazy.
4: Yeah, yeah I gotta navigate all of that. Yeah, I mean, and they, I mean, they know this is kind of their year, like, they don't really it would be really tough after this to try and get to another Super Bowl, right? Like everyone thought it was last year and it was super close, but then this year is definitely like, you've had the same staff for the most part together for six years, the same head coach in the same location, Mm -hmm. a lot of the same core players. I mean, you go on a year after this, I don't know what happens, especially when you, you, you know, it's really disheartening when, you feel like you're tasting the grapes every time you're almost there, you're almost there. And you get that letdown. It's like our, at some point, and I think they do a really good job of managing it and like kind of going to what you were saying all about, like how you deal with the hype and all of that. And I think they're really focused on themselves and, you know, they don't really pay attention to the outside noise, but I think what happens if you don't get to the Super Bowl this year is you lose that belief in the process mm. and you know, it's interesting. I was watching um, the Ar- the Arsenal one. I don't know if you guys have seen that. And they kind of had their whole thing about believe in the process and, you know, everyone kind of the fans bought into it. All these people bought into it. And then it was like, well, we're still losing. We're still losing. And I'm not saying that's yeah. the at all, but it's kind of that same. You can get that same kind of from inside, from the, from the locker room. And that's, a, that's the a dangerous place to be too. And you've got players who are getting on, right? Like, you know, I'm sure Micah Hyde and all them would, would say different, but like it's a long time to be in the league, to be tackling, to be at that level, like at that dynamic with him and Poyer and you know Karen Johnson and you got Travis White, like you've got all these guys that have worked together for six years, and you're like, all right, this has to be if we can't do it like this, then what do we need? Like the process all- has
1: been taking us to this moment, or even last yeah, year yeah. was perhaps the moment. Like mm-hmm. if the process is getting us to almost there do we have to change the process kind of thing yeah, yeah. And that's
0: plus scary. like i think we all kind of forget that they were so good in the playoffs but they won did they win 10 games or was it 11 games last year in the regular season like they're not like this juggernaut like
4: no. they win so... the important one for the most part
1: and, and yeah. you could argue like they they beat a very average patriots team that was more Mm -hmm. i think about a divisional rivalry and like doing it so emphatically in the playoffs in that manner rather than like it's not like they steamrolled the tom brady bill belichick new england patriots with that insane defense that they had for years yeah more of
0: a symbol of where they are rather than like pushing to it yeah Yeah.
4: and then you have to think what are the patriots so the patriots are only going to keep getting better what they're going to be better this year by far than they were i mean matt jones is, is great like and he's they're taking their time with him so what happens next year, like next season, 2023 or whatever year, like where the Patriots might be not saying it full swing, but like that adds a whole nother element into it, which is why this feels like such a, sweet window for the Bills. As and you well. got
1: Miami that have brought in a new coach that's hopefully going to improve their running game yeah. and then they've invested heavily in this. Yeah, the they need call. a
3: quarterback though that can throw the ball more. I know, than but I'm yards.
1: just I'm just saying if you can take the pressure off by having an even adequate run game in Miami, that's a better Miami side I than know, we've had in great, previous years. Great receiving and a, team as well. a, that, that
3: defense will regress because Brian Flores isn't there as well. There's lots of things to go in Miami.
1: It's it's not the perfect situation. But you just I just think there's so yeah. much talk about Allen and the Bills that The other trouble is, as we were discussing with like the Mante Teo documentary, you know, media loves to build somebody up to then slam them down. So if Allen comes out of like four weeks of the season, maybe the bills are two and two and he's had a couple of iffy patches, people will be casting the finger of is this guy really ready to be an MVP in the NFL? which is a really harsh thing to do because you're the ones that were saying he was he's not come out and said, I'm going to be MVP. He's just saying, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do my job. So for you to put him on that pedestal and then as soon as it suits you to rip him off it, you know, I, I still buy that players when, even when they're like, Oh, I don't pay any attention to the media. They hear it. Like they have to, they're on social oh, yeah. media yeah. and everything well, like that. Well,
0: like what I, I was wondering about this. Like they were talking about in the ATN podcast, like bounce back players uh, for this year. And Greg brought up Patrick Mahomes as a kind of, slightly weird weird one because you're saying like how um you know the media and fans and stuff we like to build these players up and then we knock them down Patrick Mahomes has had like the best start to any like quarterback's career like maybe ever in terms of just instant impact and then he's won a Super Bowl he's been Super Bowl MVP been deep into the playoffs like every year and then last year because they lost in overtime and he didn't you know score that last touchdown that everybody thought he would people are kind of down on him, and it's just like you you can be at the very top like Patrick Mahomes in the top three QBs in the league at the moment and you people can still be like oh I don't know if he's got what it takes now like it's so (laughs) tough
1: this but this is why I'm not listening to anything after the last game of last season to week one I'm I'm so not bothered about people's oh hot God. takes or stuff yeah it's just stupid it's it's some of the takes are so moronic it's like nah just let's see what happened week one you put a slow motion to a throw to Tyreek Hill with that angle where you see the ball and then the hands come into frame and take it yeah. and put some like beautiful music over the top of definitely
3: it. photoshopped but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you see have you seen the other clips of that training session where he missed them and missed them and missed them and missed them, that, them? Yeah, that but, was I'm but guessing I'm saying, if it's like, two it was a five-yard
0: throw that you put some really yeah, like, that.
1: Music like on wide it. angle
3: lens you slow yeah. it
1: down and suddenly you're like oh this is the greatest wide receiver qb duo we've ever seen i mean tyreek even saying it that that's better it. than mahomes is just that's lunacy yeah. that's antonio brown mental problems i think that we've got if that's what he's really <laughs> believing like it's just not good i don't know yeah.
2: yeah
4: i mean it's reflective i think of where we are in society and life like we are so much about the now and we don't Seem to have much recall or much like memory of what used to be you know it's and I, I keep going back to like football soccer managers and things like that I mean it's if you're not successful right now then it doesn't work it doesn't matter if you have the best players around you it doesn't matter how much money you pay people people expect you to be winning and that's just not how it works like these things people naturally have to go through these peaks and troughs and and that's that's human nature. There's no way that all of us are ever going to be at that highest point all the time. We're going to make mistakes and we're going to have times that aren't so great, but to to then judge someone off of that is what makes us such a fragile society.
3: I, th- I think the part of that though, especially from the, in like Dave likes to call it roly point of view, is just the amount of money at stake. So if you have like an Arsenal or a Man United and you're not making yourself into the Champions League, well now you can't attract the players which means you can't attract the sponsors and then you start to have your bottom line really hit and owners and clubs don't like that. Cause of course, most of them are publicly, publicly traded companies who want to make sure their shareholders are well looked after. And the same with the NFL, to some extent, of course, we had Tom Landry there and the Cowboys for years and years and years, and Don Shulers and the Chuck Knowles and the, the Bill Cowers. But that was in a day when, although the money was still high, it was nowhere near what it is now as a product. And if you have an NFL team like the Cowboys, as an example, who really capitalized on the 90s to make their brand as big as it was, all the teams now will try and do a similar thing. But if they haven't got a winning program, it's harder to do that. That's why Brady's jerseys fly off the shelves for New England because of how successful they've been. And why you go to a Wembley game, you see lots of those jerseys around because people tend to be attracted to the winning teams when they start to get into a sport. And if you can get them in at that stage, will hopefully convert them into a lifelong fan and have a stream of revenue from them going forwards.
0: That's a good point. I think, like, I mean, how many New York kids are thinking, like, oh, Buffalo Uh, is uh, not far away?
3: Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
4: Like...
0: You know, it's technically in the same state. You know, maybe I could be a Buffalo fan because yeah, they're looking at the, the Giants state, and the it? Jets and they're like, what the hell is this?
4: <laughs> I know, poor people. Technically, they're New Jersey, so they don't count. <laughs> yeah, it's hey, true. Whatever. Yeah, You don't even
1: play in the right state. Yeah, I mean...
4: Exactly, it's all a <laughs> <alive. laughs>
1: That The Jets don't even know what a preseason game is. Savages with those hits. Outrageous.
0: Oh, yeah, you weren't happy with that, were no, you? No, not
1: like? at all. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm no Jalen Hurts fan, but like, i don't want to see I him i like it i, I don't want to see him like getting murdered it, yeah. when he's yeah. run out of bounds in a pre-season game like just unacceptable i know you're a bad franchise and you've got a chip on your shoulder but there's a way to do it and like let's let's wait till the season starts and maybe get some bad blood going kind of thing but yeah awful people um <laughs> 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 well, they'll fun. just have another terrible season and we'll wear their logo better than them so it'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> and that's the last thing phoebs actually just on the uh because I'm, I'm really annoyed that the Eagles have changed their beautiful kind of curved writing logo to this shambolic mockery that looks exactly like the Jets. and The Jets rip off. I saw Jalen Hurts wearing a, a cap with the new Eagles logo on it. I was like, that looks terrible. Are you worried that the Bills will go through a similar thing? Because like, there's been a couple of colour changes with the jerseys, away from like the Jim Kelly traditional era, and obviously the helmet isn't the red helmet anymore and stuff like that, but the, the logo, it this year, it? aside from the one where it was a proper big bison and then they added the kind of blue streak through the bison on the, on the helmets, it stayed kind of traditional, and the whole franchise has still got that old-school rugged feel with orchard or new era park or whichever name we're calling it now it's like a great old ground is do you have any fear that like the josh allen the hype and and perhaps if the bills are successful it it leads to a modernization of the franchise (laughs) slightly
4: i mean i think inevitably like little tweaks are going to happen i mean like remember when the jets kind of upgraded themselves it still felt like the jets but it's like a nice new modern Jets. um i think that naturally is going to happen because of where like what people like to see like what's visually appealing, um, but like you're saying, Buffalo is so ingrained in tradition and their history. And to be honest, like the people of Buffalo, like Buffalo fans, are very much so of that kind mm. of era. And like who Buffalo are now, and like their all their you know logos and whatnot is very reflective, I think, of the people. Whereas if you're like, okay, the the Jets or Eagles, you're in like a major city. Like in Buffalo, you're literally, Orchard Park is just a kind of suburb, essentially. It's not like the big, bright, flashy lights. And the same with like Green Bay. Mm. I don't think Green Bay is ever going to lose. They might modernize it a little bit, but I don't think they're ever going to lose that traditional Green Bay look and feel. And I think that's a big part of it. You have to look at one of these logos and be like, does this represent what our values are? Does this represent who we traditionally are. And I think, you know, if Buffalo go ahead and are able to build that new stadium, even that I think is going to maintain a ruggedness to it while being modern and beautiful, I'm sure. But like, there's still that we're going to have it be outside. You're still going to have to come play us outside even though it's a new stadium. So I don't see... How their logo doesn't reflect that
1: too. I've just never, I've not seen a change since like the late 90s, early 2000s of any NFL team, whether it's like uniforms or logos or anything that has looked better than what they had previously. Like the Jets jerseys don't Tampa look Bay as good Buccaneers. as the Testaverde. The the from that horrible orange. Yeah, to, to the plain now, red. Yeah, but that that's was that's a lot better, Ollie. That was late 90s, early 2000s. So I'm saying uh, since uh, then. Yeah, okay, come on, okay, come okay. on. Uh. Yeah, they moved away from the awful 80s and and brought in this kind of like slightly more modern 90s, 2000s look. And everybody has looked better then than they do when they change it. Like the Jags change their uniform every five years, every three years. And it's always terrible. And it always makes me think that if you're changing things like branding, you're worrying too much about off the field and not enough about what you're producing on the field.
4: Which... Maybe I—I I mean, I could kind of see that, especially using the Jags as an example. Like, that's a blaringly obvious one—a team that's been truthfully unsuccessful for quite some time, and so they feel like forever. A, yeah. forever, yeah, literally. And then goes back to your statement, Jazz, about like, well, we need people to be engaged; we need to have fans. Maybe that's by money, yeah, literally, because that's what it all comes down to, doesn't it? Like, because yeah. what right now, what player from the Jags are you going to say, I'm going to go buy their jersey? Trevor Lawrence. That's literally it. Mm. You're relying on, like, your franchise.
3: Yeah, Josh Allen.
4: Yeah, but, like, you know... Sorry, I'm just
3: playing devil's advocate. You're completely right. I wouldn't want to have any of the judges at all.
4: Yeah, like, and if you're talking about Buffalo, you'd still get, like, Stefan Diggs. You know, you still have at least it's more than one guy that you're thinking. You can get a
3: Von Miller jersey. You can get a Trey Edmonds jersey. Uh, Can we
1: start calling Stefan Diggs the Messiah, by the way? Because did you see the footage of him coming off the field and people were just throwing apparel at him to sign it was like they were chucking like the palms down in front of jesus or whatever (laughs) on palm sunday literally he was walking off the field and just jersey after jerseys just getting thrown (laughs) at his feet it was really weird and he was looking up like do i i'll sign it and then he'd just throw it on the floor for like security to then have you
0: if that's how he went, just suffocated under a oh thousand God. jerseys, right <laughs> the, 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 his own fans just ruined the team. Some
1: overzealous Bills fan throws a helmet and gives him a concussion out Literally. week one of the season. <laughs> is, Miles honest, Garrett, is, that? is Miles Garrett
3: a Bills fan? What's that? Is Miles Garrett a Bills fan? Does he helmet <laughs> to R- miss
4: Rudolph? Got it. <laughs> be the best jokes
3: it. are the ones you have to remind everyone about aren't
4: they yeah Sorry, yeah. thinking that well, that's all right <laughs> i was pretty slow there last
1: but... last one quickly then seeing as you mentioned the browns it's back
4: it's back
1: so uh before we ask you a lot longer before
0: we ask your opinion phoebe we're obviously like huge fans of deshaun watson on this podcast number one yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's quite, uh, we've been pretty, we've been pretty, uh,
4: your female engagement has really gone up. Then. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh. Uh, we've been pretty, we've been pretty savage, uh, talking about it like, uh, on and off. And uh, I think
3: we've covered it pretty kind of, um, fairly. And if I'm honest, in terms of calling them out for the horrible piece of crap, oh, it clearly mate. is, but it's... also being aware that the NFL doesn't seem to really care about that, and all they care about is money and athletes. So it's we've,
0: unbelievable, yeah. yeah. Just how complicit everybody seems in it. All these NFL insiders like just retweeting his agent's statements and stuff. And oh, just there, it's just of a car
3: crash, thing. though, isn't it? Oh, he's really he's really sorry for what he did. Oh, I did nothing wrong.
4: Yeah, but you why can't are you sorry? Say that yeah, why are you apologizing? Well,
1: well, he's standing by his innocence again. Was the last uh yeah. Oh, last oh he's comment apologizing
3: there. for everyone who he triggered. Was like, it's like what crazy?
4: Yeah, it's it's just so like. The dichotomy between it is just not even going to make sense. But like, I mean, with him, the fact that originally they only gave him a six game ban was wild to begin with. Oh, yeah. I mean, what are we doing? Like, what is the standard that we're setting? And then I think they obviously realized that they cannot get away with that. And you have to be able to punish him more. But even then, that's not even enough. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the
3: judge said it was egregious. He was a predator and he acted with intent. How is that six games?
0: But also, $5 million fine, which is going yeah. to, like, victimise women charities, from what I understand.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, what's going on here? Like, we're, we're basically admitting, like, the world is so crazy where well, we can't actually say what is going on. He's not we're allowed just, like, to have
1: massages around. outside the facility, yeah. showing he They've is a threat to the and general the Browns public. Browns have
3: to think of how they're going to get round that when they start to... Do- talk to get him it's like why would you take a player on when you literally have to think to yourself well how are we going to get him a massage yeah why are we going to do that maybe just doesn't have them anymore
0: oh man you know the the, like saddest thing is like just the perception of the Browns now like they were this plucky team to me they had been awful since I've been watching football the last few years they built this team I liked Baker Mayfield not popular on this podcast by the way Phoebe but I liked Baker Mayfield I've been enjoying watching the Browns the last few years and then they go and do that. And I'm just like, it's like from here to here. And I'm just like, if they just disappeared from the NFL, I'd be like, fine. (laughs) See you later.
4: I just don't know what that decision-making process is. And like, at what point do you say, actually the mither that this is going to bring to the team is worth it for us because there's no way you bring them on and you don't think there's going to be some sort of punishment and yeah. if you are bringing them on thinking there's not going to be a punishment, like then what I'm is
2: your you.
1: mindset? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. Well, how do you, how do you operate? Uh, you know, the, the NFL is pushing, you know, inclusivity and diversity. And, and obviously that is going to hopefully mean that we see more women on things like the sidelines and operating in buildings and inside yeah. the NFL in, in coaching and, and, you know, pretty high level positions, hopefully. So how do you expect to be able to have that sort of person in your facility When he's got that sort of reputation and it is clearly, you know, a very unpleasant person to be. I mean, it's just it's it's so against what the NFL says it's trying to push that even 11 games. I mean, we I think we all said six games isn't enough. A whole season is like bare minimum. So the fact it's only 11 still isn't great. The fact that we all know his guaranteed money from the Browns and it's going to be a five million dollar fine. It's not much of a dent. It's like,
4: yeah. But then, and it's not, I know it's not related at all. They're totally different things, but I'm like, okay, Sean Watson, this happens with him and they, and they're fine with it to an element. You think back Colin Kaepernick, he yeah. never played in the league again. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. because that's so, too much of a, that was seen as too much of a political move, wasn't it? It was the trouble. Mm-hmm. They've got no issue with people hitting. Well, look, Ray Rice yeah. proved the NFL doesn't care about women. They just don't want it to be look bad on them. Oh yeah, you have a four game ban, Ray. Oh, that videotape was pretty bad can't really play again sorry mate
2: yeah
3: but they knew it and they'd seen it and they judged it based on that yeah. so it's yeah uh yeah and the reason why they, they've done that is because the news cycle moves so fast these days i mean how long ago was it we're talking about urban meyer and then john gruden and dan snyder and those things mm-hmm. no one's talking about that at all anymore it's, yeah. it's, been, it's well, been we, and we it's said gone. on this
1: podcast when the gruden thing happened we were like give it two weeks give it two weeks Gruden will be pushed back and we'll be talking about something else um it's just sad that the Watson thing we're still talking about because it hasn't reached a a, a kind of a climax of any sort that is is poignant and and is fitting the crime in so to speak like well I just
0: you know what as well is just you kind of imagine that in a year's time or two years time like the fans will remember and I think he'll get (laughs) like booed in his divisional games and stuff like that but I don't know, we probably will move on. There'll be some other scumbag out there who does something yeah. awful and then we'll be talking about him. And... By the end
3: of this season, I'd be shocked he's if we're okay. having this as a big discussion because he would have served his band, they would have played, he would have been out in the field. Granted, the, the Browns went on to win a Super Bowl. I don't know how the media's going to react to that because they'll say, oh, what a great choice it was to take on this sexual predator." Imagine if he's MVP of the Super Bowl this year. Gosh. Oh, I'm going to, you're not going to Disneyland, mate. I'm not, so not sure that's to good enough Well, they to get did that. The Super they Bowl.
1: did that with Ray Lewis, didn't they? Ray Lewis <laughs> they? was MVP of the Super Bowl when they beat the Giants and he was like, "I'm going to Disneyland." And somebody at ABC was like, "No you're not. We're sending Trent Dilfer." <laughs> 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 <And> <laughs> nah, but yeah, no, that, that's you. a
3: good example though, as well because that was murder and that was cleared in the criminal court. Um but that stuck around Ray Lewis his whole career.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jazz, you then- your, your ex quarterback uh
3: allegedly, all famer. Yeah, allegedly.
0: yeah i mean that stuck with him people were talking we were talking about that yeah. even when like he retired yeah people were talking about that on twitter we were talking about it and like he'd been in the league for 20 years or whatever so
3: 18
0: yeah like it's yeah. gonna follow him around but it's still not like like we we're messaging about it earlier and we we're saying it's not even like he's not even getting any kind of i don't know like He's not gonna change, is he? He's not getting he's not being Well, like... he's not gonna have
3: mustaches outside the team facility anymore. He's not... That's a starting point. I don't know. I mean that guy's a sociopath. Unless they're like, gonna the be wearing... are hiring people complicit in the whole thing.
0: He's gonna be wearing mustaches, he's gonna be creating fake Instagram <laughs> accounts, like <laughs> I mean, there's not going to, if there's no comeuppance for this thing, I mean, does that guy really care? Like, Oh,
3: I watched, uh, I watched Juice Bigelow* Male Gigolo for the first time in years of the day. And there's a bit with an, Perfect. in court, it's a brilliant film. And <laughs> Eddie Griffin's there in complete white face. And I just had that image of Deshaun Watson showing up in complete white face to make <laughs> it look like it's not Deshaun Watson. And then it, of course, does the exact same thing. Hey, again. you got to laugh, Jazz, haven't oh. you?
1: Because you cry otherwise. I'm Deshane Whitson asking for a <laughs> massage please thank you very much yeah yeah i don't know it just makes you not oh. yeah as you said with the browns uh, the texans as well like you need to look back at them and you know they're complicit and they oh. haven't had any yep. real kind of damn ownership yeah. they're like deshaun
0: you can keep getting these uh massages and abusing these women but get them to sign a non-disclosure agreement before you do it
3: just <laughs> can you just do that for us yeah, but I can understand the Sean Watson's frustration with the Guinness suspension at all because when Robert Kraft was frequenting that place in Miami with literal human trafficked women, nothing happened because of it. There was no, there was no sanctions. Nothing happened to them at all. It's so. I there needs to be more of a. Obviously, it's hard to make the owners discipline themselves but yeah. someone has well, that's, to that's the thing hold you can as a
1: player you're an employee as an owner yeah. you're at a different yeah. level you are the boss and you get to yeah. do that unfortunately like that's mm-hmm. just the way it goes that's about preston business, doesn't, doesn't it? or anything it yeah, does but but at the same time you have you know I had a discussion with somebody about, you know, they say when you're a member of our team, you are always representing the team wherever and whatever you do. And the same mm-hmm. is with the NFL in general, when you're a player, when you're a part of the NFL, you are always constantly representing the brand that is the NFL the shield. Yeah. because you're an employee of it. When you're an owner of it, it's a very different scenario. And you're well, it's not your nece- shield now. Well, yeah, I, I this is my shield do as I say, not as I do kind of attitude. Whereas if you're an employee, you have to live up to those high standards of what's expected to you for you, both in your personal life and as a player on a football field. And Watson yeah. hasn't done that, which is why if the NFL did go down that route, if the NFLPA went down that route of pointing a finger at Robert Kraft, I don't think they'd have a leg to stand on on that point.
0: No.
1: But I think should. the the only thing they just rewinding fair, a but... bit
0: when you're saying Ollie about the the NFL has kind of in some ways taken huge steps in terms of recognizing the contribution women can make to sport and they've put, you know, people like Colin Wolf and like Mina Kimes Cindy and uh, who's,
3: Rachel yeah, Burnett, uh, Phoebe the, Schechter.
0: Phoebe Schechter, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I do think that's a slight thing here. I think the fact that there are more women in high positions within NFL media has kept this more alive than it would have done like ten years ago, yeah. because they've been rampant on Twitter, like calling him out, calling out the NFL, and holding them to account. So, I. That's just a slight change. It doesn't make you like more hopeful, maybe, but like, I don't know. I don't know, I'm babbling. It's not just like brushed
3: under the carpet. Yeah, yeah.
0: it feels like it, yeah. it would have been like that 10, 20 years ago if it was just male commentators, that it wouldn't have been as much of a fuss made. You know? I don't yeah. know.
3: I yeah. agree. Okay. Also, in some ways, if it's like Big Ben's one or two, it's different to... Not that it's different or making it better, but if you have 30 women coming out saying the exact same story, yeah that smoke without fire really rings true massively oh, at that point
1: yeah yeah, yeah it's, a it's not like not they've
3: all th- all thought to themselves let's all have a, a phone around and see who else has seen and let's all make our stories the same that's different people some of which haven't even come out publicly and said it yeah but that yeah the whole thing just stinks
1: all right shakta we are going to wrap this up because we've kept you for way too long um, Thank you for can the tackling you, talk. I can really you enjoyed that. Finish with some positivity for us because you are the queen of positivity when it comes to uh, yeah, like whenever absolutely. we end up hanging out. I'm Captain Misery. You bring everybody else back up. <laughs> that
3: does sound right, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah we can't sound. end this
1: podcast <laughs> talking about that scumbag guy. Just so, to... And considering we've just been talking about Watson, we're in the doldrums of overhyped preseason and overhyped tropes all over the NFL and Instagram about players and what they're going to do. Give us some positivity going into what will be the next few weeks before the start of the new season.
4: Oh man, I mean, I think the fact that we've got all sorts of football going on is always a win. Like just being able to see the in and outs of training camp, being able to see your favorite players, the Detroit Lions, like that's been great for people too, being able to like see people behind the scenes. Um, And there's, I mean, even just thinking about like what we're gonna have during the season, the amount of people that are gonna be broadcasting, ITV taking over too, like that's pretty cool. That There's just so many, there's just such a major push For American football, like for me, that's always going to be the win. That's always going to be like something that makes it like so exciting for what the future of the sport is going to be. But I'm like, we get football, like real football, so soon. It's freaking August. Ah, (laughs) Ah,
3: yeah, that'd be (laughs) good. That's the best part. That's great. I like that.